You're listening to the Common Fan Podcast, a Husker football podcast for the common fan by the common fan. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Common Fan Podcast. Uh, we're happy to have you with us once again. TJ Burkle alongside Maddie Owens Sr. and Geoff in Lincoln. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey, hey, there. hey there, TJ. Hey there, Jeff. Hey there, Common fans. Uh, really excited. We got uh, an awesome midseason review pod uh, and a ton of stuff to cover uh, tonight. Really quickly before we get into that, though, I just want to encourage people to uh, make sure you follow the pod or subscribe to the pod on your platform of choice. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter. The handle is at CommonFanGBR. Um, you can also send us an email at uh, CommonFanGBR at gmail.com. That's CommonFanGBR at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to have you contribute to the conversation. Um, uh, perhaps have your email or tweet read on the show. Uh, however you want to do it. We'd love to have you uh, participate. Um, really excited about um, kind of the the feedback and traction we got after the first episode. And uh, we're back at it here uh, for episode number two. So um, it is middle of the week. It's a weeknight. It's a school night. Uh, after the Friday victory, uh, Friday night victory over Illinois. And so we're going to yes. talk about a ton of, we're going to talk about a ton of stuff here. We're going to kind of walk through the games in the first half of the season. We're kind of do an overview of uh, the, the offense, the defense, and kind of look ahead for the rest of the season. Um, but just for a minute, guys, how great is it to go, uh, you know, into the bye week? I mean, when was the last time should have looked this up. <laughs> when was the last time we we won a Big Ten road game? Any Big Ten road game, first of all, but especially going into a bye week. Um, I mean, it's just it just changes everything. It changes the mood of the fan base, changes the mood around the program. Um, just a huge boost going into the bye week. Yeah, I mean, once once we got, uh, I think a lot of the the uh, haters got tired of nitpicking a, a conference road victory and how it should have, we should have won by more. Um, now I'm seeing a lot of action on, on the Twitter or the X or whatever we're calling it these days. Um, talking about how we're three and three and the next three games are most definitely winnable, which would, if we win those put us at six and three. I mean, can we, when's the last time we even imagined or thought about being six and three? I know that sounds sad, but that's, that's the reality. Right. And that's uh, one thing I was going to bring up too is being six and three. I mean, it's just in this day and age of Husker football, TJ, you said it too. We'd be dancing in the streets if we knew we were going to be six and three at this point, possibly we're, looking we're, at a bowl game. So, I mean, so, that's where we're at right now. Let's not, uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Uh, <laughs> I can't but, help it. Uh, but uh, it is exciting to think about. I think we'd be having to do some sort of emergency celebration pod. Um, if we got to six to three again, a little bit, uh, uh, embarrassing or sad, uh, considering where things, uh, or where we are uh, as a program, but that is where we are. And that like, you, you know, the next step is getting back to a bowl game, kind of an odd I, week. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Jeff. Can I just add something? Can we just also not underestimate the power of 
some relief going into a bye week like the stress that goes along with having to anticipate a Husker game and get ready for it it's just <laughs> it's incredible to me to be able to go into this weekend and just kick my feet up and just enjoy a little bit of that time of of soaking in a victory and not having to worry and stress on a Saturday for once in my life I mean it's it's That's- great Oh, it's yeah. such a good point. And the feeling is so much different when you're coming off a win versus coming off a loss. And right. also then, so not only is this week stress-free, this weekend we can just enjoy college football, um, but imagine going into the Northwestern game at two and four. And oh, we're basically like we're holding our breath. You know, basically the next three are must-wins, and then you've still got to find one more. Um, so uh, it has a huge benefit in a lot of different ways. M- Matty O, were you going to say something? Yeah, I just was going to add that the other part is we are so – our team is so banged up. It's just good to have a week off, um, get yeah. some guys healthy, and now we got the news about Marcus Washington, which is unfortunate. But um, – uh, I I feel like it'll be really relaxing to sit back and watch some other Big Ten West teams lose this weekend while we just are 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 zero and zero on the weekend, no wins, no losses, and yeah. uh, and just watch everyone else uh, kick the crap out of each other. And it was just staying on Illinois for a minute. It was kind of an odd odd week leading up to the game. So I, first of all, I always forget that Illinois stadium uh, is also called Memorial stadium, but that's, I mean, that's fake Memorial stadium. They can't, they can't, they, we talked about this last week a little bit or on the last show. And um, Illinois definitely fits into this category. They can't, they can't get people into that stadium. Um, And so, but, but then, so I don't know, it was like Tuesday night or Wednesday night before the game and fake Memorial stadium catches on fire. And so there was like this brief moment you know, or I don't know, a half hour, or an hour where there's all this confusion on Twitter. And it's like, well, are, are we going to be able to play the game there? I hope everyone's okay, but what's going on? Uh, and then it ended up being fine. Um, I, I think what happened guys, and look, we're, you know, we're here to ask the questions. The media won't ask. We're here to ask the tough questions. I think that, you know, Bert Bielema is, he's there late at night and he's watching film and look, he's a good coach. He knows what he's looking at and he sees, Okay, uh, we're gonna run into the buzzsaw that is the Nebraska offense. All right, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna have a hard time stopping Heinrich Harburg, and uh, it's basically he's 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 squinting because he's not sure if it's you know Harburg and the boys or or the 1983 scoring explosion. And look, he's stressing out, and he know he knows like look, we're not gonna yep. be able to stop these guys. We're not gonna be able to move the ball. It's late at night. No one else is there. So you know, he goes to make himself a couple of tombstones. And so, you know, it's just, he's, he's the only one there. So he makes two tombstones instead of more than that. Um, he strikes me as a Totino's guy, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> it might've been Totino's. I don't know. Again, uh, no one's getting to the bottom of this, so we have to do it, but this is probably what happened. And, uh, you know, uh, old Bert uh, decides to stress eat a little bit because uh, he knows he's just going to get overpowered by the Cornhuskers, which is, of course, what happened. And he ends up setting fake Memorial Stadium on fire. Yeah. I mean, so he's, he's so entrenched in the college football industrial complex. I mean, this is a total plausible theory that you have here, TJ. He's in on it. And I think RIP to a legend and Dick Buttkiss, he was an Illini graduate. Um, and I think that he might've been so entrenched in the college football industrial complex that either a he's been offed or B he's faked his own death. I mean, he may still be out there. 
but he's so deep entrenched in this that they convinced him to fake his own death to try and derail the, the Cornhuskers. It may have worked with the Bears. The Bears may have won on Thursday. It's not working with us. It didn't work with us. It no, it didn't work with us. It didn't work. We didn't let it work. Uh, we didn't get thrown off. Uh, the, the fire department arrived on time, and they, you know, they were able to to uh, uh, get to the kitchen and uh, and contain the fire. And, uh, and then the Huskers come in and just really physically dominate that game. Absolutely. Uh, so, <laughs> well, I just have this mental picture of Bert sitting there with his shirt off and then <laughs> tombstone pizza cheese dripping down his chest. And, and the fire department comes in and Bert, put your pants back on. <laughs> and I mean, the thing about it is, uh, you almost feel bad for the guy because he knows what he's looking at. He's a good coach. He's had some success and he's realizing I can't stop this juggernaut. I mean, we're not going to be able to stop this offense uh, led by led by Heinrich Harburg and Ty Hahn and uh, and Alex Bullock and a bunch of Nebraska boys. And we're sure as heck not going to be able to move the ball on offense. And that's what happened. And, you know, so, uh, you know, the Huskers just came in and steamrolled the Illini. And boy, by the lap, boy, another point on this Illinois game. And then we'll <laughs> then we'll get back to the <laughs> Your we'll regularly scheduled, the regularly scheduled program. Um, I mean, how good does it feel? Talk about a sec. This is we talked about this on the last pod. Second rate program. They've never won anything. This is absolutely the kind of team that we should just be crushing and really should never lose to. And it just feels good to put them in their place, um, get a W, move on. Bert could barely bring himself to shake Rule's hand after the game, which was ridiculous. But you know what? Uh, see you later. Good luck going home early this year. Just felt great to get that W, put them in their place, and head into the bye week. Well, don't don't you think? I think at least at least for me, and I think maybe you guys too. Great to get a conference road win, but to have it be against a Burt Bielum, a coach team. I mean, I feel like there's a little bit of exorcism going on beating him. Uh, you know, that's still flashbacks of his of his Wisconsin teams, um, just shredding us, running the ball, and the jet sweeps and all that stuff. Part of, part of it, yeah, it's great to get a conference road. I don't know. I don't know when the last one we had was, but to have it be against Burt too was fantastic. Uh, co- completely agree. It kind of makes you wonder. I mean, that Wisconsin program was just a well-oiled machine for years, regardless of who was the coach. Right. Then he goes to Arkansas. Doesn't go very well. His first couple of years at Illinois were averaged by you know most standards, pretty good for Illinois standards. But even that, Lovey, for whatever reason, could never put all the pieces together. But he had some talent. He had some guys who are now in the NFL. It just sort of makes you wonder about Bert if he can build something sustainable. He's been able to coach well when you know sort of handed a program that was already already in good shape. Um, but uh, I think people expected them to be better this year, and they're a disaster. Right. And, and you think about it, it, it didn't really go that well for him at Arkansas. And Wu Pig Suey. Exactly. Things did not go that well for Bert down there. No. I mean, he's, the thing that Bert does have going for him, I mean, with a body like that and still being able to pull a very attractive wife is, is I, I respect that. I respect him because clearly, and I'm not a slender man, but Bert <laughs> does not look very healthy. And, and he's got very young children too, so you know, put two and two together. Little, I have a little respect for him. I don't like him, but I respect him. You got to tip. You got to tip the cap. Got to tip the cap to Bert. 
Absolutely. You do have to tip the cap on that as well said, dude. <laughs> okay. 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 <laughs> Back to your regularly scheduled program. Um, we're going to walk through the first six games, how we got to this point at three and three. And again, guys, we could very well be four and two, but considering how the season started, I got to be honest with you. I feel really good about being three and three mm-hmm. uh, was, was not sure how to feel about that Illinois game going into it. Um, and we, you know, we really uh, showed out and, and the boys really responded to coach rule. So really excited to be three and three. When I think about the first six games, guys, uh, I don't know why I, I sort of thought the first thing that came to my mind was, it's kind of like a tale of three two-game seasons. Um, we had this arc, you know, the, the two, two the, like three, excuse me, three separate arcs, right? Minnesota and Colorado, we start with two away power five teams, kind of have a history with both of them. And then we have Northern Illinois, Louisiana Tech, um, first two home games of the Matt Rule era, obviously not power five teams, games that you feel like you should win, but everybody's feeling a little shaky going into those games. Um, and then, you know, the start of um, or resuming conference play um, with with Michigan and Illinois. I think everyone sort of knew how that Michigan game would go uh, or or sort of knew what the final result would be, at least. And then, you know, uh, wondering how we'd respond in Illinois. So just let's start with with the first the first two games set here uh, in Minnesota and Colorado. And, and what jumped out to me was they were both disappointing losses. They were kind of different kind of games. I felt in a lot of ways, um, but they encapsulate so much of what we've lived through as a fan base for the last several years. So there's, there's some games <clears throat> and we'll start with, let, let's start with uh, Colorado. There's some games you say we could have won that game. Like we lost 36 14. I don't think it's really fair or or legit to say, well, we should have won that game. Uh no, no, we shouldn't have. Uh, and but but that was due to our own mistakes as much as anything. We made a ton of turnovers. Um and but but like if you look at it was uh zero to zero with five minutes to go before halftime. It was 13-7, what, halfway through the third quarter. Um, and so like that was a ball game. We kept turning the ball over. It just, it never felt like we could get on track. And then the defense was on the field for too long. Colorado has some playmakers and they just kind of ran away with it. So that was kind of one of those where it never felt right from the beginning. Didn't feel like the guys were, were quite prepared. Um, but we were, we were in the game in the third quarter. I mean, it was, yeah, you're right. It was 13, seven. And if you remember, it was a third down, and they threw a deep ball and completed it over Tommy Hill. And then it was like, and that, that to me, right. that was felt a, like, right. That was a third and long too. Yeah. To me, that felt like it kind of just felt like game over. Like we, we had him get off the field and go down and get points. And then that, it felt like after that play happened, it was like, we were done. That was the last, that was the, the last. Wheel, That's the what wheels it felt did like. kind of fall off. Although the whole go down and get points thing felt really hard all day. Oh Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we let's let's be realistic. We, we got lucky getting points, even mm-hmm. with with yeah, Sims. I mean, he they basically was broken. It was broken play on the defense, and he was able to run fifty some yards for a touchdown. Yep. The main takeaway I took that was that game solidified for me at least that the defense might be back. Even though we lost that game, I felt like that was the game I realized that, dear Lord, we might have something at least special on one side of the ball for sure this time. And I've, that's the first time I've been confident in saying that in quite some time that we had something good going that I could at least see that that was my main takeaway from that game is 
man, color because this was at the time when Colorado was typed up. Like, whether you want to admit it or not, people were literally salivating at the thought of Colorado winning a national title this year. Oh, yeah. Like, that felt like the that felt like kind of the when we played them and then even the following week against CSU, the we felt mm-hmm. I felt like we were right in the peak of like mass hysteria, yeah. Dion, Shadur, yeah. Sanders, Prime, Coach Prime, all that. I feel like we caught fact, we caught them at the worst possible time. Absolutely. I mean, that was when they were not, just on their upward yeah. trajectory. Yep. Go it ahead, also, TJ, It was also nauseating. I mean, <laughs> no, and, totally. And I think we talked about this a little bit on the last one. Coach Prime deserves some credit, right? Yeah. I mean, they're mm-hmm. they're as of this recording, they're four and two right now. They were one and eleven last year. He absolutely deserves some credit. But everyone was talking about them. Uh, as if they were, you know, 2019 LSU or something like that, or or last year's Georgia team, um, and you know they got a long way. To, they've got a long way to go still. Sure. Um, but it, it was yeah, it was tough, especially given our history with the with the program. It was tough uh, to be to get catch them when we did and have to have to listen to all that. Uh, it, it was pretty obnoxious. You no, know, you know how I feel. How I feel about how Minnesota and Colorado went. I equate it to, you know, when you're, when you're sick, you got the stomach flu and you've just been barfing. You've just been barfing so much and you and you kind of feel like, okay, I think I've got it all out. Now is when I turn the corner and then, you, and then there's, there's a couple more barfs left in you. That's how I feel about Minnesota and Colorado. <laughs> there were enough things in there in those two games where you're like, okay, this looks better. This looks promising. But we still had to puke a little bit more. We still had to puke a little bit more, get it all out, so we could start turning the corner. And that's well, and how that's, I feel about those two. That, those first two games in your your three two game seasons. I love how you put that because that feels like what this really what this really has been. Well, and and talking about Minnesota for a minute. So that was it was funny because I felt going into Colorado, I thought we had a better chance of winning that one. Going into Minnesota, I thought this is a tall ask of Coach Rule, first year head coach. Uh, it's a Big Ten team that, we, for whatever reason, we've had trouble putting away. We've, we've mostly played them. You know, we've had good, close games with them, but they always seem to play more disciplined, more sound. We just had trouble beating them. As painful it's as Thursday that night. I mean, that's Thursday, another thing. <laughs> Thursday night away game, away Big Ten yeah. game. Um, and so I just kind of thought we didn't, we didn't know what to expect of of Coach Rule and the boys. Um, and honestly, I don't I, I don't know about you guys. The first half felt like we were kind of like hanging on. And I know we should have scored right at the end of the half and we had the Jeff Sims turnover, but I honestly felt like um, it could have been worse. Like it sort of felt like we couldn't get off the field on third down. um, Didn't know, just didn't know what to do. It was like, okay, well we should have scored, but I'll take three Oh, then for most of the second half, I was like, wait a second. I think we're the better team here. Yeah. Like the defense was, was just shutting the gophers down. Um, You know, the offense, put up 10 points um you know it, it was it hasn't been pretty or perfect i think that was what what was so frustrating about the minnesota game and that's that you know i talked about colorado being one kind of loss representative of one kind of loss that we've lived through minnesota's a different one so yeah. colorado's one of those we could have won that game if about you know 15 different things had gone differently or if we had sort of started differently or finished the half differently whatever minnesota's literally one of those we should have won the game. Should have, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like we we've had so many of those too, where it's literally one or two plays. You know, Anthony Grant just hangs onto the ball. There's a pretty dang good chance we 
because we, we were moving the ball on him. We were running the yeah. ball. Pretty good and, chance we, you know, we luck win that fell game. our way too. I mean, our score was off of a botched trick play that ended up just working out. Yeah. Like, yeah. God. Yeah. That yeah. was the last so, time that happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, you know. So um, you know what it is? It's the college football industrial complex <laughs> actually letting us get a few bounces because we are on to them. If they're listening, and I know they're listening out here, we are going to expose you for keeping us down for far too long. CFIC, your days are numbered. <laughs> yeah, it's important to get that in. Thank you. Um, so anyway, so we so we start zero two. I don't think like, I don't think anybody going into the season, like before we saw Colorado beat TCU or before we knew any whatever. Like I don't think anybody expected an zero two start, especially with Colorado coming off a one and eleven season. I think everyone yeah. thought. You know, that's a pretty decent chance. I, I know folks had hope for Minnesota at least figured, okay, let's just give us give us one of those two and we'll feel pretty good. Um, so we go 0 and 2, um, and we'll, we'll you know transition to the next <laughs> two game series um with Northern Illinois and Louisiana Tech. Um now, before you jump, DJ. What's yeah, yeah, throw something in there real quick. Yeah. Is I think probably the the thing that hurt the most about the 0 and 2 start for me personally, it was just the fact that we had this minuscule, tiny chance to just cram it up Fleck's butt, and we just couldn't do it. I mean, Fleck is that, the guy in college football, is... the shady used car salesman, the snake oil guy. He's all about talk. I just I can't stand the dude, and we had him in our sights, and we just blew it. And don't that you exactly. don't you guys kind of feel like his his days might be numbered there? Like he's going to try now to jump so, ship yeah. for another job. I don't know. So. First of all, I want to I want to respond to you, Jeff. Um, that is such a good point, and it would have felt so good to beat him and beat them. And it feels like you know we could have, would have, should have, but it feels like we've had them several times like that and just not yep. been able to pull it out. And it's so aggravating. Um, yep. To your point, uh, Matt, I kind of don't know. Um, I think he has elevated. I mean, he he has been better than a lot of what they've what they've seen there, and so he's elevated the bar and made people excited and and sort of engaged the fan base. But also, like he's in this market where people love the the Vikings and the Twins, right? And and, um, and the T Wolves, and it's kind of like, yeah, when when Northwestern comes back from three touchdowns and beats them, yeah, Gopher fans are upset, but like That's they're right. not calling for his job. It's not the same right. thing. It's so, kind of like. like I don't know. Yeah. That'd be pretty nice. When it? and you're when and when you sign up for for Fleck coming to coach your team, you got to be to me. Again, um, TJ to borrow a phrase from you, a second rate program. You've got to be willing to go totally go down the douchiest path, less traveled, to go with the row of the boat. All that that whole gimmick and him sprinting out on the field, just looking like a total weirdo. Um, <laughs> And you know, because I, I heard I heard his name thrown around for Michigan State now with all the Mel Tucker stuff, and I'm like, God, I don't know if his act would work there after. Because when I think Michigan State, like recency, I know, but I think of Mark D'Antonio, uh, Mark D'Antonio, and like this like stoic like yeah. guy on the sideline just looks pissed off all the time, and the, yeah. like I don't know if that kind of guy would work at that place, but. Gosh, well, and, and I, I, I don't know who would want to put up with him personally. We're but. we're one thing we're not going to because this is a family friendly friendly program. So one thing we're not going to do is get into the Mel Tucker situation. No, <laughs> uh, we don't need to talk about. But that. you think about him uh, pre scandal, he's very similar, like a very serious, stoic guy, yeah. kind of a hard nosed coach. 
Um, it just it would seem like an odd fit to me for PJ uh, to go to Michigan. State. I That's think he could I probably think. get another job or, or you know, get some interest in another job. But I, I do agree. I think a place would have to be they would have to know themselves pretty well and be pretty confident that like, that's the right fit for them. Cause it's not the right fit. Every place. I don't think it would be the right fit in Lincoln, frankly. No, um, it would get old. People would get t- sick of it real fast. Yeah. And what, you know, what's it, uh, I, I promise we'll move on here shortly. Common fans. Uh, one other thing, since we're still on these first two games that I meant to mention about um, coach prime. Um, by the way, do you guys want to hear my coach prime impersonation? Yes, please. Right, this is actually Wait, not where I was going with this, but uh, and and my wife is uh, one one sick of this and two not impressed by it. So I might be uh, setting myself up for embarrassment here, but let me try this here. We ain't coming no more. We here. That's not bad. That's, that no? was pretty good. I thought you were playing a recording for a second there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't believe you. Uh, but thank you for saying that. Um, sorry, that's not what I was going to say. I do believe that. <laughs> That Coach Prime, <laughs> he has he has, um, uh, he's I don't I don't know if you can really call it created a new phrase, but he's he's created this new phrase and added it to the lexicon. I actually think it. I want to start using it. I feel like it rolls off the tongue really well. Bull junk, bull junk, <laughs> bull junk. <laughs> and normally he's talking about it when he's airing his grievances about how various reporters and news outlets have not given his team enough credit and he has the receipts um but i feel like again family friendly program i think we should start saying bull junk and we should all strive to incorporate that into our daily lives even I do because like it gets that. gets the same point across it feels good coming off the tongue um but you know it's a little cleaner i like it i like it and you know what just one more thing about dion i kind of feel like sometimes when he's talking to the media, we get Coach Prime. And other times, we get Deion Sanders. I feel like when we get Deion Sanders, you're getting a guy who's been around the block, and he's serious, and he, know, and he knows football. Coach Prime is out there talking about Shadur and how he's one of the best in the game. He's learned sell, from Tom Brady. Sunglasses. He's, he's giving him yeah. all his players sunglasses, and he's doing all that all that extra stuff that I don't really think he needs to do. And I think he's, he's turning a lot of people away, turning them off by some of the brash stuff that he's doing. But I think, I think he, I think he has the, the capability of being a really good football coach who has good messages. A lot of the time to the media and his team, just sometimes the way that he, when he turns into coach prime and it's, it's about, I'm bringing my own luggage with me and it's Louie and all that stuff. I, I I think he turns away a lot of people. I I've always liked Dion, but I, I'm just I'm getting I'm getting kind of sick of the act. Let's put it that that's, way. You know, and that, that's it's really interesting. You say that I you know I hate Colorado. I actually I, I could get uh, uh, I could lose some street cred with this. I don't despise. I don't hate Dion. I don't have a, I, I you know I don't either. Thank you. Obviously, obviously, there's an act there at some at some points. I used to watch some of the stuff that he would say even when he was at his previous job. Um, and if you listen to what he preaches to his teams, it's about accountability. Yeah. It's about hard work. It's about doing your job. Um, and so, you know, it's actually a lot of old school messages and they've talked about this on some of the TV broadcasts about, you know, that staff refers to themselves as old school. And so look, if that's what they're instilling in their programs, I know, I know, especially Husker fans want to write them off. 
um, and say it's kind of a one hit wonder type of situation. Mm -hmm. If he's staying at Colorado, I mean, we've got them on the schedule next year. I think we got them on the schedule again in the not too distant future. You have to take this guy seriously. Yeah. And we should, we should, we should play them frequently. And by the way, we're going to beat the brakes off of them next year at Memorial (laughs) stadium. Yeah. Yes, we are. Okay. All right. We've got to move on. (laughs) Uh, That was a really satisfying conversation about Minnesota and Colorado there. Okay, we probably won't spend quite as long on these two games. Northern Illinois and Louisiana Tech. Look, uh, Huskers took care of business. They did what they were supposed to do. Uh, I think in both games, it didn't feel quite, you know, you kind of want to go into those games against teams you feel like you should beat and just run out to like a 28 nothing first quarter lead or something like that. And, you know, we didn't do that. Um, but we also, the defense... You know, Geoff, to reinforce your point from a minute ago, the defense continued to to look strong and continued to play well, and neither of those offenses could could really get much going. Louisiana Tech had some success throwing the ball, uh, but neither team could run the ball at all. Um, neither team scored a lot of points. Uh, and so, you know, they did what they needed to do. We kind of needed to reset the narrative, inject some positive vibes into the program, when you had to win both of those games. Um, I mean, we all remember the not too distant past with both frost and Riley um, losing to frost with Troy and Riley with Northern Illinois. And I mean, that is just doom and gloom in the fan base that can ruin that. That can set things off on a really bad track for the entire season. So look, they took care of business at least. Yeah. Um, lunch pail. Yeah. I don't lunch know pail games. Bring the lunch pail. Those two. Oh, I, 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 I don't. Again, I, like you said, I don't think there's much to say about them. The, um, you know, like you have, you had there was there was some uneasiness there, um, but but fact of the matter was at least with I remember with Louisiana Tech, it really felt like we were turning it on, and we were I think were we up twenty eight seven, and then there's a a, a flipping weather delay, like again. What is it with us and all these weather delays lately? But it felt like if the if the weather delay didn't happen, I feel like we maybe get one more score on the board, and we may we may end up winning by one you know one more touchdown um, and covering the spread. If anyone cares about that kind of stuff, <laughs> um, but no, they, they were those two games were just like okay, let's go in, let's play good D, take care of business, put some points on the board, just get out of here and win, yep. um, and try to get out of here healthy. Um, and of course that didn't happen. I can't remember which one of those games was, we lost, uh, our running backs. I mean, yeah, the, but, right. So that hurt in those two, but again, we had to get wins there. So, um, but yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's all I got on those. Business no, as I, usual. I, I agree with the uneasiness and like, I won't lie the way the season started, especially with the way we lost to Minnesota, that kind of set that precedent again of, are we just doing this all over again? We're blowing close games. So when I got when we got to Northern Illinois, I certainly was concerned and was not convinced that this was just there was nothing in our history and nothing so far this season that had shown me that this was a guaranteed lock of a victory. You know what I mean? Like going into this game, I legit was nervous. Once we got through Northern Illinois, though, it was kind of refreshing and almost a positive takeaway that I thought against Louisiana Tech that. I think that we're I'm comfortable enough in assuming that we might be able to just win. I didn't feel stressed about that one as much as I normally would in years past. I felt like we're it's sad to say it, but it feels good to know that I can hang my hat on assuming that on, you know, not a conference 
team someone that we should beat. I don't want to say cupcake because it might be a little disrespectful, but for the most part in the past, I didn't think that we were guaranteed to win with those teams. And it was kind of nice to go out, come through and just say, Hey, it's, it's not so much to worry about anymore as it has been in years past. It kind of felt good. It was, well, and I think there's something to be said for that. And I know the fan base doesn't want to hear it. And we're probably in that group too, right? Because we're all, you know, just about out of patience, <laughs> uh, right. but there's something to be said for that. Like we have to acknowledge where we've been uh, since the end of the Riley era and pretty much all of the frost era. And part of that has been um, not being able to close out games and not being able to win games that where we played well enough to win. Otherwise um, not being able to close the deal in those games. And um, I think for a long time, Husker fans, sort of thought, well, we're not that far off and we don't, you know, we don't need to think about, we have to relearn how to do that. And even I would say, this is again, probably a, a longer conversation for a separate pod, but um, I used to, people would talk about, you know, the, the, the mistakes that haunt the program. They, they, oh, they're year over year. They, they go through multiple coaching staffs, multiple roster changes, and they're still happening. And people would make the point there's something going on with the psyche of the players or the mindset of the program or the culture. It's the there. curse, TJ. It's the <laughs> curse. And we can talk about it at some point. Well, but for the but for the longest time, I thought, nah, come on. You know, we were all um, even if you played a high school sport, you know, you're just you're excited to be out there. You're excited to play. I don't feel like athletes think about that stuff as much. And, and maybe that's true. But um, you know, there, I'm starting to believe there's a, wh however much validity you give to that line of thinking, um, it's clear, like we haven't had a winning season or even a 500 season since 2016. So you've got to, you've got to close out the games yeah. that you should close out. And we didn't do that with Minnesota, but it's nice to have seen us do it. You know, Absolutely. three out of the last, you know, three out of three, the last, basically let's take Michigan out of the equation. The last three games that were competitive, we closed the deal. Right. And mm -hmm. so that's not right. Again, Husker fans might might scoff at, at how it looked at times or who the opponents were, but we're not in a position to scoff at that sort of thing, boys. <laughs> no, it's it's it, I think we need to get past as Husker fans. We need to get past how it should look when we win. Who cares how it looks if we win? I mean, look at I, I hate to compare us to Iowa because I just can't stand them. But <laughs> Don't you look, dare. look how ugly they have won this year and they're five and one. They have one, they have a worse offense than we do. And they're five and one. They have one with good defense tackling. And then the offense will score one touchdown. They'll kick three field goals and they win the game. Yeah. And they just find a way to win. I would rather be like that as much as it pains me to say, than be winning 55 to 45 because we just scored more points than the other team. Cause that does, that doesn't last. That's not something that you can, to me that you can hang your hat on week to week. Cause you, you know, your quarterback throws a couple of picks. Oh, you know, then you're losing 55 to 45. Yeah. It, right. it, to me, right. it's still that. And that's, and I hate the, the word is getting so overused, but culture, when you build a culture and it's, we are going to tackle really well. We're going to play our butts off and we're going to hang in it until the very end and somebody's going to make a play. Yeah. I'm good with that. Absolutely. You know, should that we have beat Illinois 37 to 7? Probably. But we won 20 to 7 in a road conference victory, boys. 
exactly. When we're dancing in the streets, when we make the, um, you know, toilet.com bowl, you know, being played on, on December 17th, <laughs> which is a, you know, 10 AM on a Tuesday in December or something, it doesn't, we're not going to care. We're no. going to be dancing. No, in we're the not going to care. Nope. Um, all right. So at this point through the first four games, Huskers are two and two going into the Michigan game. Uh, I think I don't know. I didn't talk to many Husker fans who thought we were going to win the Michigan game, but I think, I think a lot of people thought, well, you know, like Michigan's kind of one of these ground and pound teams. They're kind of a slow burn team. Our defense has been really good at stopping the run. So maybe we could keep this thing zero, zero at the end of the first quarter. Maybe it could be seven to three at halftime or something. Maybe we're making it interesting. And did that happen? No. <laughs> and instead, no. the whole game, literally from the start of the game, you know, um, you know that part in Wedding Crashers when Owen Wilson is going through a hard time and he's kind of depressed and his his uh, answering machine, because they, they still had uh, landlines and answering machines when they made that movie, which is crazy to think about, but his, his recording of his answering machine is just, Whatever. <laughs> that's that's just what the whole Michigan game felt like. Yeah. Um, or well, that's how that's how it like it felt watching them play. Like they, I think it they. I, we don't need to spend a lot of time on it because whatever. Uh, but they whether they psych themselves out or whatever, they didn't they didn't bring the energy. I think they were nervous. I think scared. Whatever word you want to use, and then you know got a couple bad breaks early with the unbelievable touchdown catch. Um, but you know, the Michigan receiver catches it. Was that Newsom or, uh, catches it behind Gifford's back. Yeah. And then on our, our first drive, you know, Harburg's ball gets batted up. It goes lineman grab seven that thing? to uh, 400. What's that? Didn't that lineman snag that thing or something yeah. like that? Yeah. I yeah. mean, it felt like yeah. it hung up in the air forever. It went up about 417 feet and yeah. landed delicately into the soft hands of a Michigan defensive lineman. And of course they go down and score. I mean, it just felt like if there was any air in the balloon, the rest of it got sucked out at that right. point. But yeah. it, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, well, I, I think, you know, we're, we're not X's and O's guys here, but I've heard it talked about enough. I think the Husker coaches, not too far into that game, put put mm-hmm. some of their more uh, specialized stuff back into the playbook. They didn't want to show anybody too much, uh, any future teams watching film. I think they realized that was what it was. Let's try to get out of here without anybody getting hurt. They mostly yeah. achieved that. Uh, lost to Sean Singleton that game, which which hurt. Yeah. Uh, but you know, look, that that could that's might be the best team in the country. It's certainly one of they, the they could be. Yeah. Probably a playoff oh, team. Oh yeah. Um, sure. And we're just not we're just not there. But I I kind of liked how candid Rule was after that game too. Like he was just talking about how they're just they're where we want to be, and he's like they're basically they're just way better than us. He didn't sugarcoat anything. You know, it wasn't like <laughs> we got just absolutely demolished by them. And was it Frost's first year? And then everyone was talking yeah. about when when he was with UCF, and he said, "Well, we hit harder than they did." Well, yeah, but they beat you by thirty points, <laughs> Scott. So, yeah, and, and he didn't and sugar. Course, I thought I found that refreshing. And then, and then how he came out and said, "You're going to find out what team we are on Friday when we go to Illinois." I, I love that, that. I love that. Was, well, I mean, talk about. I really think 
we're going to look back at that as a turning point in the year. And they played, they played on Saturday and then they came back out and had, they practiced on Sunday, which they don't normally do. And no, had really physical practice normally. on Sunday. Yeah. Um, and he kind of put it to the guys and said, that's not good enough. That's not up to the standard that we have for this team, you know, kind of put, put their manhood on the line and put it, put himself on the line, the way he phrased it to the public and to the yeah. media and yep. the team really responded to that. I mean, I think if the team hadn't responded to that and it fell flat at Illinois, we might all be kind of saying, Ooh. yeah. Uh, and I think and Tony, Tony White, Tony White too. He, he, he said a few things on those same lines of like, Hey, you're going to play it in Nebraska. That's, that's not good enough. And by yeah. the way, Tony White as DC, my God, like, <laughs> what, what are we like? We've, we've held, we held, I saw, a, I saw a stat. Um, we held, we've held, uh, was it four out of the six teams we played like a hundred yards under their, their season average per game. Like that's outstanding rush defense. We're, well, we're, gonna, we're saying, if you want to beat us, go ahead and try to beat us throwing the ball, but you're not going to throw it over the top of us. And I, I'm just loving it. Well, it, a couple things on that point. First of all, like Nebraska should never not have a great defense. You know, and so it's just right. like to, to is this, I mean, this defense is really good. Maybe, I don't know if they're quite great yet. You know, we, we got pretty spoiled there for a while, but it, like, it's so great to have a defense that you feel like you can rely on yeah. and you feel like can keep you in any game. And, you know, Tony White deserves so much credit for that. I think they're going to have to pay that man in the off season. Yeah. I think we should all, pre- sure. like, let's be real. I think we're going to have to, he won't, he's stated coming into the job that he wants to be a head coach someday. So I think mm-hmm. we need to prepare ourselves that we'll be lucky if we keep him for another year or two. And you just hope at that point that, he, you know, he sort of installed the, the program and the culture to enough of a degree that you either yeah. go out and find somebody else who can do the same thing, or you can promote one of the assistants um, to, to, to run the defense, you know, hope to God we can have him for a few more years. They need to pay that oh, yeah. man his money. I mean, it's, uh, it's so nice to see like any of our defense be able to make a tackle in like open space. I forgot what that was like to see that happen. Oh, yeah. I was confident where, oh, it's a one-on-one. Oh, we got him. Thank God. Like yeah. in years past, I felt like it was always just guys going for like the big hit, the highlight reel type thing. And they're just doing it the right way now where they're bringing people down one-on-one. And that's so damn important. It just feels good. It's refreshing. Well, that's the other thing. I mean, just, you know, I don't know about scheme, but just the missed tackles over the years. I was watching USC uh, versus Arizona that triple oh. overtime game, and mm. let me let me tell you that that USC uh, team is a poor tackling team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that was giving me like flashbacks and PTSD to watch from watching the Husker defense, right? Because um, yeah. that was us for the longest time, and it was so aggravating. Yeah. They can put up a ton of points, and then their defense just keeps every team in the game. I mean, Notre Dame might have a shot with them next week. I'm looking forward to that, so that'll be a pretty good game. What do you think about that, T? This is a this is a Husker football podcast, Jeff. <laughs> I think uh, I think that's bull junk, Jeff. Okay. <laughs> that's what I think. Uh, we don't, you know, and you know, in the you know, in the Godfather, when Sonny when Sonny tells Carlo, we don't discuss the business at the table. <laughs> like, we, like we're gonna have to keep saying that to you. We don't, we don't discuss the Irish at the table, Jeff. <laughs> we don't discuss the Irish at the table, Jeff. This is a Husker football. Uh, guiding principle number one: all Husker football, all the time. All right, Jeff. All right. All right I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Nothing about Notre Dame. Track for a second. 
I'm back now. Okay. For those, for the common fans who are listening, who don't know, uh, Geoff is a Husker fan. He grew up in Lincoln. We've known him since, since childhood, uh, or at least since junior high, uh, somehow in that household, they were also Notre Dame fans. Uh, so we try not to judge him too harshly for that. Um, but he, you just need to be reminded, you know, we don't discuss the Irish at the table, Jeff. I'm sorry. It's just, it, I can't help myself sometimes, you know, it's, it's in my blood. To well, you sorry. know, Jeff, it, it must be nice to have two college football teams that you are able to root for. One, one loses one weekend. You never know. You might, the other one might win. I wonder what I that's never, like. must be I've nice. I've never really, I've never really heard of that. <laughs> must be you nice. Know, I try to have a, you know, a set of principles going through life. I've never really heard of having two college football teams. It's fine, Jeff. It's fine. We're just, you know, no judgment here. No, no, no. I'm, I mean, I'm proud of where I come from and in, in the, in the fabric of my being, um, being a, a, a native Nebraskan and, and proud of it. Um, so yeah, I know more power to you, Jeff. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> um, so, all right, that pretty much wraps up the the first half. It's nice the bye week is li- like a, a, exactly halfway through the season. Um, so we we kind of talked about Illinois already. The biggest takeaway, again, other than Bert setting fake Memorial Stadium on fire, making tombstones, the <laughs> biggest Dick Butkus is still alive. You guys, he's cryogenically frozen, and they're going <laughs> to unthaw him when the economy gets better. <laughs> Uh, um the biggest thing um is is the bounce back right the biggest takeaway for the program uh, is the way matt rule challenged the guys challenged himself uh we came out and got a big 10 road win on short rest after getting kind of beat up by michigan to get to three and three going into the bye week so that's like to me, that's the biggest and most important takeaway and i think again if we get to that bowl game if we're dancing in the streets on you know December fourteenth at uh, ten thirty a.m. Uh, for uh, you know the the whatever bowl, um, it's going to be we're going to look back and say that was kind of the turning point. Hello, fellow common fans. That concludes part one of our two-part mid-season review. Part two is coming right up. We hope you'll stick around for that, and you'll be able to hear the Common Fan Crew's predictions for the remainder of the season and much more. Please make sure to follow the podcast on your streaming platform of choice. Follow us on Twitter at, at CommonFanGBR. And if you want to send us an email, we'd love to hear from you. That's CommonFanGBR at gmail.com. Okay, stick around for part two of the midseason review. For a little teaser, all three of the common fans predict the Huskers win the next three games and secure bowl eligibility by early November. Enjoy and GBR always.